Welcome to Work Beautifully, a podcast brought to you by Dialpad that discusses growth, learnings, and pitfalls to avoid in business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Work Beautifully podcast brought to you by Dialpad. Uh, I'm DJ Gillett, and I come from a background in sales engineering, but now I head up the T-Mobile partnership here at Dialpad. Uh, Here in our second season of the podcast, we've been chatting with CIOs from different backgrounds to get a better understanding of what CIOs handle, what it takes to become a CIO, and we get to hear some commentary on some topical issues that our CIOs face today. Today, I'm super excited because Dialpad's very own CIO is joining us, Prashanti Aduma. Prashanti, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, DJ. I'm very excited to be here. Regarding my background, I was born and raised in India. I'm the first girl in my family to pursue engineering. I'm a mechanical engineering graduate and also completed my post-graduation diploma in computer applications. Got married to an amazing guy and accompanied him to Silicon Valley. I quickly realized I'm getting super bored and there were not many entry-level opportunities for mechanical engineering positions. So at that time, in 1997... Every company in Silicon Valley was very anxious to resolve the Y2K flaw or more famously known as the Millennium Bug. I'm not sure if you have heard about it, um, but there was a lot of demand for young programmers to resolve that Y2K issue. And as the saying goes, when in Rome do as the Romans do, I had to update my resume just to combat my boredom, went to a job, a tech job fair and got my first job at Stanford University as a programmer analyst. So I landed in tech sector by accident, but fell in love with the field, and I never looked back. Um, I was very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, There was so much innovation going on in this field. Had the opportunity to work not only in different segments of IT field, but also worked in variety of industries, different verticals that helped me gain that 360-degree experience that's helping me today in this role uh, to understand various business processes and corresponding technology. I do have a lot of affinity to startups. Dialpad is my fifth startup. I joined the companies as its first CIO. Uh, the company's vision, the opportunity to build the best-in-class technology framework and the global teams to support the company's growth excited me. So that's how I'm here. That's amazing. So one of the questions I typically ask is, uh, did you see yourself as a CIO when you started, but you answered no. So what were you going to do uh, when you got your mechanical engineering degree? Like, What did you want to do with that? So my major was in um, machine design. So in a way, it did help me adopt to technology field very easily. So I was envisioning uh, designing these huge turbine gearboxes or chip designs, um, but where you have a lot of creativity in not just building this, the, the systems, but also making sure they are very optimal and providing you great business value. The same methodology and philosophy I was able to apply to the technology field. So, yeah. I was, I was very inspired by my dad, who was a mechanical engineer, seeing him growing, growing up, seeing him um, being a very entrepreneur. Um, I think that's where the passion started. <laughs> that's really cool. I'm always interested in how folks go from, you know, where they wanted to start. You know, I, I at one point thought I wanted to be in marketing and then realized really quickly I was a lot better at the tech side of things. So th- thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. 
Um, so let's talk about for you, and, and maybe it could be generally as well for CIOs, but for you, what does a work week look like for someone who is interested in like, what does a CIO actually do? What would you do on an average week that you would say is, is normal for a CIO? Yeah, uh, as a CIO of a startup, uh, you have to wear multiple hats uh, from assessing the current state of systems or process maturity to building the technology strategy that aligns with company's mission and vision. And not just laying out the strategy, but also having a very clear execution path. So my week schedule uh, is jam-packed and pretty exciting (laughs) for Um, So from setting up yearly roadmaps, executing corporate strategic initiatives, hiring great talent, um, team well-being, building team building activities, thinking about uh, how best we can improve the daily processes, ensuring smooth operations of our end user services, overseeing business applications, data teams, internal security, as well as managing the IT uh, SaaS spend uh, and the budget. So day in my life, I can say it's a lot of meetings. I'm sure you must have interviewed many other CIOs. They must have given you a very similar answer. A lot of meetings, but these meetings differ. The objective of the meetings differ from day to day. So providing guidance to the teams from strategic to operational um, projects, monitoring their uh, statuses, things to improve, solving roadblocks, planning for upcoming milestones, one-on-one with your teams and your peers, your business partners, um, weekly leadership calls, managing vendor contracts and spend. So pretty jam-packed and exciting schedule. Yeah, that's awesome. So which of those things do you think, um, which of those things do you enjoy the most? Like if you if you could do just one of those tasks, which of the things do you really enjoy the most uh, weekly? Empowering your team members. Uh, making sure that you know they are um, making the right decisions, um, empowering them to take on more challenges, coming in every day to think differently, coming in to think what can they do to make a difference in the organization. So yeah, developing and empowering teams is what excites me more. So uh, so let's let's dig in on that a little bit. The empowerment piece. Uh, where do you? One, why do you see that as being so important? And two, do you think that um, it's something that's missing in the industry? Is that that most um, employees are not empowered to do their jobs or, or not to do them well? Well, um, I think we do a lot of emphasis on customers, right? You know, customers come first, but people are the core. Um, we are living in a very unprecedented times. Um, COVID and other uncertainties around the world creating a lot of anxiety in people and uh, exhibiting that empathetic leadership, being human, providing that psychological safety and freedom for our teams to speak up, understanding their vulnerabilities, guiding and supporting them has become very crucial. And uh, investing in one's team's development plan, supporting their aspirations and being a mentor to I mean, I became, I came here, it's just not because of the opportunities I got, but it also because of so many great mentors who were around me, helped me grow and push me uh, to do things that I thought I'm not able to do, or I'm not capable of doing. I wanted to see that that same philosophy and that same environment is provided to my teams at Dialpad or any place I work for. 
and I feel people um, are able to provide more. They are able to think more creatively if you are empowering them and rather than doing a micromanagement. So I'm, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but um, but I think empowering your employees, empowering team members would only give you more creativity and more productivity in the organization. No, yeah, you, you absolutely did uh, answer my question. I think, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think for a long time we've, we've forgotten about, especially in, in a culture that's dominated by sales and in, in a company that exists to make money, that we forget that you know, one of our biggest assets are employees. And when I say we, I just mean a you know kind of general um, you know industry wide. But I, I think that's really important, and I I absolutely agree with you that empowering folks to to do their jobs and do it well, and, and make sure that you know they're mentally healthy enough to to do the jobs that we need them to do um, is super important. So along those lines, um, you, you talked about what you think it's is is good to to empower employees. For for those folks that out there that are listening today and say, you know what, I really aspire to be um, a chief information officer. I want to. I want to know more about that. What recommendations would you give those people if they want to go into your line of work? I don't think there is any prescriptive methodology. Like you know, do this five steps and you will become a CIO. But there are definitely certain personality traits and technology skill sets that one can learn and adopt to become a great leader. Uh, from personality perspective, I think having a servant leadership method or mentality, uh, building an environment of trust, uh, taking the accountability, um, most importantly, being empathetic and respectful for everyone. Uh, in a nutshell, you have to be very authentic. And someone who can be visionary and also inspires others to a purpose that's larger than themselves. Uh, someone who has great communication and influencing skills and also great listening skills, uh, seeking continuous feedback from your organization uh, as well as your customers, right? These are all the personality traits would greatly help you go a long way as a leader. Uh, in addition to these traits, one should have a very student mindset. Um, innovation is every day. Innovation is happening every day. So education, exposure, and experience in different areas of technology, such as infrastructure, security, IT help desk, business applications, cloud adoption, data. It's, it's very, very important that one have to be very curious and, and have that mindset to continuously study the market trends and what's happening, what's the next innovation that's coming into the market and come up with strategies and solutions to help the organization drive its revenue and uh, vision. So someone who's seeking to become a technology leader, ha try to build the personality traits in addition to all the technology skill sets that's required. Yeah, uh, I, I find it very interesting. I, I heard two things that you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think I heard that you said was most important was authenticity, being a very authentic leader. Mm -hmm. And then it sounded like you also said that being a person who is constantly learning uh, yes. is very important for your role. And I find that very interesting. Um, almost all of the CIOs that that we've interviewed have given very similar answers. Um, but it's it's not something that's typically, you know, when, when you ask people, hey, what makes 
what makes this leader a great leader? Those aren't typically things that, that get brought up, but I absolutely agree with you. Being an authentic leader um, and especially a person who, who is constantly learning, because I think you would agree, we don't always know everything. Sometimes we're figuring it out for the first time. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a really awesome thing um, you know, for us to continue to do. And I, I think that's really good advice. Along those lines, if you had one piece of advice, like something that you wish someone had told you before you moved into your first CIO role, what piece of advice would you give? Would you give those out there? Do not be afraid or do not be hesitant to take up the challenges that you have never tried before. I think you should always face your fears and that's the only way you will be able to learn and grow. And I think that's what plays me where I am today. Um, and if I have to s- summarize it, do things that you think that you cannot do. Do the hard things. No, that's a, I, I think that's an excellent piece of advice. Why do you think, and this is just completely off the cuff, but why do you think uh, most people out there are scared to do hard things? What, what do you think holds them back? I think they are afraid of the failure. And uh, I think uh, they probably they judge a lot about themselves um, and uh, probably they think about the worst outcomes if they fail, but it's actually opposite. Even if you fail, there is an experience that will mature you much more than when you are not trying it at all. Yeah, I love hearing you say that. I think I think a lot of times uh, folks who are not or, or haven't uh, made it to a C-suite yet or haven't made it to, you know, farther up the ladder, they forget that failure is a great teacher. And if you fail fast, um, it's you, you figured out a way not to do something so that you can move forward with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I really appreciate that that piece of advice. So let's get into something that I know you're particularly passionate about, and that's cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? Um, what issues do you think that CIOs or just technology firms today are running into um, as far as the the cybersecurity landscape? Like what's going on there and and what things would you want people to know about that? Yeah, uh, cybersecurity or in general security. Security is everybody's business, right? And it's everybody's responsibility. Uh, Although we are focusing today on the cybersecurity and inter-system security, Everybody has to be very mindful about the security aspect that is happening around them, right from the access to your facilities to access to your systems, the information you're sharing, um, and the information that is even on your desk, right? So it's very, very important that you're very mindful about the security aspect of the information that you deal with the company. So founding a company is hard work. I mean, between the startup costs and the time invested in building the product, hiring the early technology thinkers and leaders and getting the product mature to a state where you can start monetizing it. Uh, But arguably the most important aspect and the one that is most notoriously neglected is security. And unfortunately, many of our businesses, it can be challenging to prioritize implementation of time-consuming security protocols when these resources could be spent on marketing, building better products and hiring great talent, accelerating digital transformation, etc. But after years of work to mature their organizations, founders do not want to slow down or backtrack. 
But if the data hasn't been protected or their security is not in line with zero trust protocols, it's very difficult for them to scale to the next phase of the growth. Um, in addition to a high profile hacks and data breaches hitting all time high in 2021, we all went in the distribution workforce mode uh, uh, during pandemic. Companies must be proactive and guard against a wide range of cyber threats, uh, including application security vulnerabilities, DDoS, um, which is distributed denial of service attacks. Startups can't wait until they are prepping their company to go public. It has to be built as part of their software, right? You know, fortunately, we have several tools and practices for startups and mid-sized organizations who can implement their entire platforms, safe and sensitive data can be protected as well. So uh, as I mentioned, the best way to bolster security measures, especially when it comes to data security, is to build it into the software while it is being developed and not as an afterthought. While this may extend the time it takes to develop and test software, uh, which could be a very stressful concept for eager founders and CIOs, it's much easier than the last minute panic of integrating security measures after a product has been developed or was hacked. So there are few fundamental principles uh, all uh, companies, uh, startups and mid-sized companies, and even the enterprise companies can start with. One is to secure your front doors, right? Um, we need to make sure there is a single sign-on for all the accesses that you provide to your systems. And also make sure that you know you have a role-based access control. These key features can be built into any software from the onset. It's worthwhile to make sure all the products, data protection and privacy measures are compliant with your GDPR. These days, like you know, we are all going global. So making sure that you know whatever products we are creating, uh, we need to make sure we are compliant with GDPR. Um, and we meet the ISO standards. We have a HIPAA, if you're working in healthcare industries, we have HIPAA requirements. Um, and we have other crucial certifications such as SOC 2, Type 2, CCPA, and PCI compliance. So we have to make sure that, you know, we are thinking about all these certifications, all these compliance needs at the get-go of the product rather than after fact. And the second element that I can talk to you about is... Um, most arguably the most popular and effective is a multi-factor authentication. According to a report from a recent identity management company, MFA is estimated to prevent almost 99% of account takeover incidents. So this is significant because it forces high level of verification for passwords, which are notoriously susceptible to being guessed by hackers. So that's number two. So making sure like, you know, you build security as you build the product, um, making sure that, you know, all your accesses to your systems are managed by a single sign-on um, and you are adhering to all the compliance needs that are out there today. And finally, and also probably the MFA, uh, which I just spoke about, but finally, it's also about the data protection. So we should always think about data encryption, not only at rest, but also in transit. And there is a, I think, probably a misconception that we do, it, it's going to be very expensive to have data encryption, uh, but it's it's actually, we do have a lot of good tools and technologies and software that's out there. 
it's reasonably um, cost effective to be able to use these tools as part of your uh, system development to be able to do a real-time encryption as um, you're building the product. Yeah, so that's, uh, honestly, you're absolutely right. I, I think there's this this idea out in technology that if we add more security, it's going to slow things down. If we um, add extra security, it's going to cost more money. And, and frankly, uh, I like to say that's a, that's a tomorrow problem. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of folks in, in tech that think that's a tomorrow problem. And I think you've really outlined um, how important security is, um, especially uh, in, in, in just you know building out your company. And I think you could probably speak to this as what, if, if you look at some of the data breaches that have been out there, it probably cost them so much more money to have that data breach than it would have to implement those security measures. Would, would you say that's accurate? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, with the, as I said, like, you know, taking more proactive approach will help you be safe and secure than being reactive. And as you said, like, you know, you'll end up spending a lot more money and none of, no one wants to go to jail too. So, right. So need to make sure that you know, your customer data is, is well protected, um, and they, and as I said, like you know, your company will go to the next level uh, of your growth when you are able to present all these artifacts that how secure their data is with you, how secure their processes are uh, by using our tools and technologies. So it's not going to be a nice to have anymore. Uh, it's a must have, especially with cloud adoption these days. Um, everyone going to cloud, and in fact, Dialpad is also hundred percent on. Google Cloud, um, even the cloud technologies and the cloud providers are ensuring that they are providing all the safety measures, the security measures that we just spoke about are baked uh, as part of their service. Yeah. So Prashanti, thank you so much. I, I've learned a ton about uh, security, especially understanding some of those weak links and, and how important it is to build that in from the very beginning. Um, as we sign off today, is there anything else that you would want folks to know um, about being a CIO or cybersecurity? Um, anything else? Yeah, I think um, before being uh, uh, a CIO, I think we should be a good human being. I think uh, that's more important. Um, as the quote of Maya Angelou um, saying, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So it's very, very important to build an empathetic environment. Doesn't matter you are a leader or you're an individual contributor in an organization. Make sure that empathy is exhibited in everything you do. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I think that's an awesome quote to leave it with. And so listeners out there, thank you for uh, joining us today. This was episode four of the Work Beautifully podcast by Dialpad.